This is part three of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Katie, you got your hand up. Yes, um, I have a question. I'm not related to bike soap, but I'm thinking about wouldn't that be fun to go and visit the lab? And maybe I should stick to visiting base camp, but I'm I'm pretty tied at the moment, this moment in my life, to my computer, which is made mostly of plastic and metal. And uh, and I'm thinking about it. Does your plans possibly include some future place that people could spend time temporarily in and contribute to? on a more temporary basis. I don't remember hearing anything about that, but maybe I just have forgotten. Um, uh, like we do have SEPRs. We have SEPRs here right now. And the SEPR program is that you can rent a structure for a week or a month. And then you can kind of <clears throat> pop into the boot camp for a half day here or half day there uh, as it suits you. Uh, we have a SEPR who um, joins the boot camp uh, all day when the boot camp is running. And we have another sepper that is more like if she happens to be walking by and she sees the boot camp doing a thing that she thinks is cool, she might join in for an hour. And, uh, and the boot, the boots have been pretty cool about that. That could be something that's not okay, but so far it's been okay. So yeah, there have been people that have come and been here just temporarily. And I, I kind of feel like there's – I kind of feel like if a person were to come here and rent a structure for a week or a month um, and and not dabble in the boot camp, I'd be kind of curious, like, why are you here? This it doesn't seem like a, a – you know, like, like if you were to come and stay in the love shack for a month and you didn't participate in the boot camp at all, I don't know. I'd feel a little bit like, why are, why are you here? Surely there's other places to go. I mean, you can kind of walk yourself around a little bit and look at some of the things that we have. Um, but it seems like that wouldn't be all that interesting. Um, it, it, it seems like it would be really boring really fast. Well, you're, you're talking about base camp, which is maybe – I was thinking about the lab. Sure. We've got stuff at the lab, too. You know, um, we've got – Bartell's bunkhouse. Cooper Cabin is currently open. A person could go and, and rent Cooper Cabin for a month. Right. So you're suggesting that somebody might um, uh, oh, and look, uh, Weston is, is going to be here. But, okay, leaving, leaving Weston's thing aside for just a moment, uh, somebody could come up and rent Cooper Cabin uh, for a month and be there, but but I'm kind of thinking, like, okay, tell me, help me to understand, like, are you thinking, like, you would come and rent Cooper Cabin for a month and just stay in Cooper Cabin and have nothing to do with the boot camp? Right. What would that be like? What would be the motivation for that? Help me understand that. It's possible that I have a job that is very stressful and that people call me and text me and email me, and that's fine because I signed up for it. But 
there might be a time when I want that to not happen for a while. And I just want to eat organic and go for nice walks in the quiet and just be alive for a while. Maybe I'll go right Walden. Wait, no, I won't do that. But <laughs> um, just like that kind of like, oh, this is this, I love this. I can't right now commit to this kind of thing in my normal life. But maybe I could do it for a month or maybe I could. I admire this way of life and I'd like to practice living it and, and I'm not there yet, but someone else is there and they could teach me how to do it a little bit better and they could have the facility. So I don't have to, you know, spend all my time trying to build a facility that I'm not ready for yet. And that's, that's my, that's my thought. When I lived with my granddad, uh, he got two television channels and one of those television channels, granddad, every Sunday, we would watch um, 60 Minutes. So uh, there were certain, like, we didn't watch very much TV, and uh, uh, somewhere along the line, he watched Lawrence Welk, and I'm sorry, I just can't stand that show. <laughs> but uh, we watched Have Gun, Will Travel every time. He hated MASH. He did not like MASH. But uh, 60 Minutes. And at the end of 60 Minutes was Andy Rooney. <clears throat> And I remember uh, one of those times Andy Rooney said that he uh, he thought it would be cool to get arrested and go to jail for like 30 days because there's some books that he's been meaning to read and he hasn't had a chance to read them. But he would certainly get a chance to read them while he's in jail. And, and so now I'm kind of thinking like it could be something similar to that maybe. Andy Rooney wanting to go to jail so he could read some books. He, because it's like, well, you can't do your job. So, and, and at, now at Cooper Cabin, most phones don't work at Cooper Cabin, like inside Cooper Cabin. But if you go and you stand on top of Cooper Cabin, my impression is most phones work when you're standing on top of Cooper Cabin. Uh, somebody was saying that there was one person that was in Cooper Cabin and their phone did work. Um, and so everybody would gather around that one person to look at his phone and, like, look at YouTube videos or something. So you're saying that there could be some people that are like, I just need to unplug for a month. Yeah. Um, and this would be a place where they could do that. I, I suppose. I suppose I could see that. I kind of feel like the separate program has been great for people where it's a couple and one party out of the couple has to do school or work or something online. And the other party of the couple wants to do the boot camp full time. And so the separate program facilitates that. And uh, another one is, is where there's an individual who they have to do their worky job or school stuff, but they, they get enough flex time in that that they could come and spend a half a day like every other day in the boot camp and they'll be here for like a month, you know, getting into the boot camp like every other day for half a day. And so, um, and in fact, along those lines, let's, let's turn the microphone over to Weston. Weston, you have to. Hey, that's exactly my situation. So I'm a business consultant and I just have a number of clients that I just have to check in with and keep them bubbling over one to two, three hours a day, maybe, and it's off and on. So I want to come out. I've bought the uh, the Master Gardener 
class. I want to come out a week before and maybe a week after and wow. stay. Part of a stepper, but I mostly want to be part of a boot camp because I wanted to be part of a boot camp and just immerse myself in it. And that's really what I'm about. But um, I've got this business, these businesses that I've just got to be like, hey, you guys functioning? What's happening? You know, just got to keep sending that, that you know, I've got to keep sending those vibes out and check in with these clients now and then. And I didn't want to be like, hey, I'm on the boot camp. Oh, I've got to go and check this. So I thought, man, is there a way to do this? And Des said, yeah, you just do the SEPA thing. And, uh, you know, you can just work a bit in the mornings. If you're checking with people, and the rest of the time you can be with us at the boot camp. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure how it's all going to work out, but I'll put a big package of information together to Paul, and then you can tell me what to do. So here we are. <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Now, you brought up the exact thing. I got to ask you, uh, like, are you in New, New Zealand this minute? Like, right now? No. Right now, I, if, I, what happened is I bought a, port, I bought a little, little plot of land in uh, about an hour from Lake Tahoe, and I set it all up for, for permaculture. I quit, I quit everything. Mm-hmm. And I set it all up. I started some gardens. I got the well. I got, the, I got a big old trailer that I'm living in, a rotted out old trailer. I built, started building things. Mm-hmm. Then two things happened. Uh, so I was totally on the whole permaculture, like I'm right in the zone, right? Yeah. And then the the Keldor fire happened, and it burnt to about two miles from my house. Mm. I don't know if you Keldor fire, right? Massive. Yeah, yeah, so massive. Was, I could almost see the flames, right? And that scared my wife, and that was like, what the hell, right? So we had to evacuate. So the next thing that happened was that my mum was not doing too well in Melbourne and needed to be taken care of. So I bought her a house in Florida. So now with my kid and my wife and my mum, they're all like, let's move to Florida. And I'm like, but I want to live in the forest and just grow food and like eat, live, live on squirrel meat. And they're like, yeah, probably not, <laughs> probably not so good. And this is what I do with my family. Like I've regularly like, we're back in Australia. And now we live on kangaroo meat and wild donkey meat. And that goes for a while. And then they're like, you know what? This is a bit crazy. We're kind of like getting really skinny. Then they convinced me to come back to the city. So, you know, start, start another practice. I'm a counselor. So I'll start a practice or something weird. So we're in another one of those phases. So now we've bought this place in Florida. We're moving on the 1st of October. We've packed all our stuff, sold all our stuff. We're driving out. So I'll be in Florida. But what I've done on permis is I've put my, my property up. Who wants to come and live here, sort of thing. So Dez uh, put me in touch with a guy who's come out, and then there's another gal who's just contacted me, and I'm just trying to be like, who wants to live in this permaculture thing and just do whatever they want, $500 a month, here's nine acres, it's got all the lines, it's got all the whatever. So that's me. So I'm going to be out in Florida in October, starting this new life. Uh, I've got a double backyard, so I'll be, you know, a little fake permaculturalist with my little, you know, you know how it goes with your little... Fake, fake little, um, you know, garden, and uh, I'll just live on permies, and my kid will go to a private school, and my mum will be there making food, and I'll just be, like, counting the days till I can come out to Montana. So that's my situation. So this minute, you're in the United States. This minute, I'm one hour from Tahoe in an okay. old wheel on my land. Okay, that makes sense, because I'm kind of guessing that right now in New Zealand, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, and so I'm a little... I was, it just it just occurred to me, like, you know, how, how is it that you're on this call? Did you get up at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning in order to be able to be in on this call? Yeah. But no, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's a much simpler I, I, explanation I, I, than that. 
Yeah, I've been here 20 years, but I go back and forward to, I have 300 acres in New Zealand and I go back and forward to this land. And so I'm kind of like training up. What I want to do is come out and just train up so I can start something that you've got when I'm more your age in New Zealand. We can have a sister, sister labs, you know, in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. All right. So you're going to, you want to come out here in January. Kind of, yeah. kind of do your worky job through the internet yeah. and then yeah. kind of spend some time in the boot camp doing booty things. And it's like, yeah. It's, it's, and then in the middle, uh, the master gardener, I got that master gardener thing. Yeah. We've sold quite a few tickets to that. I should go look and see how many tickets we sold and figure how many we have left. But we're, we are working hard to try to get, have all of our winter structures ready. But I think, I think that if people are slow to get signed up, they might have to like stay at a local hotel or Ooh. something. Um, I need to get on the ground. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, you know, we're going to run out of bunks and stuff here. Um, the October event, the October event, I'll which we're going to start here. So we're starting the October event here in a couple of weeks. The October event's pretty good because you're on the edge of, of like normal tenting. It's, it's like, um, if it's a nine day event, so probably for four of those days, maybe five, it'll, it'll, there'll be a light frost at night, but it'll be, it'll be too, it'll be warmer during the day. So it won't be as frost. And we, we picked this time of year because we want it to be cold enough so people can appreciate, uh, running a rocket mass heater. Like this is nice. Wow. So little wood and things like that. Um, and yet we can still, work in a space with cob and whatnot without freezing to death kind of a thing uh, when there's no heater because we're building the heater. So it's like this really nice time of the year that's kind of, you know, in between the seasons. But January is a different story. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's going to be a lot colder. You probably don't want to be um, – Camping, although I heard, I hear that people do it, that they, they camp in the wintertime in a tent outside. Um, I've never, well, no, I take that back. I have done it myself once and it was like 25 below zero. It was yeah. not a comfortable thing. Um, I have never done it since. Um, it's all in the sleeping bag. That's and, the key. And remember, cotton kills. And, uh, so you gotta, when you get into bed, you gotta strip all that cotton off when you're getting into that sleeping bag. Cause that mm. cotton is not your friend. And that's true. But, okay, that's another story for another day. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've, we've got a place for you. Okay. I've, uh, so, so Katie, you brought up something about why people would, would want to stay in the structure and it's like, okay, I can get that. Um, I, um, I, yeah, I hope to someday have much prettier structures. I think, I think Allerton Abbey is about to become extremely, well, it's, it's currently very beautiful. And I'm looking forward to the gardens being magnificent possibly next year. This year we focused on the gardens at base camp. Um, and, uh, and hopefully next year we'll focus on the gardens at Allerton Abbey. Uh, but right now, I kind of feel like some of our structures are a little, a little rougher, but we, 
I think our prices are pretty cheap. We we know they're a little rough, and so they're priced accordingly. Um, but a nice thing about Cooper Cabin is is that it has an indoor willow feeder now. That's that's nice. Oh wow! Yeah. So, um, all right. Moving moving along. Um, let's see. Kyle asks the question. Concrete is heavily frowned upon, but what about urbanite? And um, ah, edge case. I'm going to say edge case because, of course, it's it's kind of not going to have any additional carbon footprint as far as being manufactured, but isn't it going to have a pretty significant carbon footprint or petroleum footprint? get it here because it's not like there's urbanite lying around here already um i kind of i kind of feel like i wish to probably discourage it because there's a lot of toxic gick that ends up being put into a lot of uh concretes you know they so a lot of concrete companies are owned by companies which have a waste stream that they needed to get rid of, and by purchasing the concrete company, they can now put this toxic waste in there as a way of getting rid of it. And so um, it's considered a legitimate thing to do. So um, there's that. Um, I'm going to say, like, I'm not going to say absolutely no to urbanite, but I kind of feel like it's not as natural as rocks. And Considering how many rocks you have on the site, would you really need it? Yeah, would you want? I mean, I kind of feel like I've seen some people do some interesting things with urbanite, and that's cute. But anything that they do with urbanite that I do with rocks, I think the one with rocks looks far better, and I would feel far more comfortable with one. More comfortable with rock than with urbanite. How do do you all feel about rock versus urbanite? I've seen urbanite used at Cobb Cottage Company, and like you said, if, if you had, I guess the only difference there is that they don't have the large stones that they do have the large chunks of urbanite. And I believe that it, they had like a load that was dumped sort of at the front door, like where the cars can park. And then it's a matter of picking it up and using wheelbarrows. Uh, I took probably 10 wheelbarrow loads up the hill um, that were flat enough to be used like for a stem wall that you'd then build cob on top of. Um, so I could see that they had it. It was free. Somebody else delivered it, but it still had to be delivered. Um, I don't know where it would have gone otherwise. So maybe the the fuel cost is a sunk cost regardless. Um, so either you recycle it or you don't. Um, but yeah, it's it seems like you'd have to have you know something that can tow a lot of weights and a trailer that you can put. You know, a couple tons of urbanite is not that much material um, before you've reached a weight limit. Right. It seems like the rock would just be 
closer. And then you could do it with rock. So, uh, yeah. All right. Is urbanite just recycled concrete, like old concrete bits? Yeah. Yeah. It just like somebody doesn't want that sidewalk anymore, so they dig it all up. Now it's urbanite. Then they can use these blocks of old concrete to build something else. Or they're going to just take it to the dump. So you're kind of rescuing something from the waste stream. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I like the idea of rescuing stuff from the waste stream. We, we do rescue a lot of barrels from the waste stream. We use them for rocket mass heaters. But, um, yeah, edge case, edge case. I'm not, I, I, I kind of feel like I want to kind of give it a, an icky face, like, yeah. And then, and then maybe I could hear more about like why it's great. And, um, just not, just not thinking it's going to be great. So, all right. Um, moving on to Mark's questions for today's podcast. And I kind of feel like we probably should wrap up in about 15 or 20 minutes. And what we might do is next week we will continue with this. How's that sound? Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Mark's first question is, are there maximum square footage dimensions to stay within when building a Wafati or another structure? I would say that for a Wafati or an Ehler structure or anything with a green roof, I can't think of a reason why there would be a limitation. Um... I, I also don't imagine anybody's going to come and try and build something that's 400,000 square feet. You know, I, I don't think anybody's going to try and build something that's super, super big. But I like the idea of someday we build enough Wafatis and they get bigger and bigger and bigger that we could build something that could potentially house 20 people. And so this might be something that's like something on the order of, let's say, 12 bedrooms. And so, of course, some bedrooms hold, they're a little bit like some of our bunk rooms that we have. And some bedrooms are going to hold one person, and some bedrooms are going to hold two people. Um and so with 12 bedrooms, maybe you'll get 20 or more people. And, then of course, I wish to conduct my wicked experiment of 20 people living under one roof without stabbing each other. So that's going to be a pretty pretty sizable structure. And that, that, is, that is in the plans. And, you know, a cool thing about having multiple people in the same house like that is because you're not using two by four and sheetrock or drywall to divide those bedrooms. If you have somebody that's snoring on the other side of say a cob wall or logs that have cob chinking, you're not going to hear them snoring. So you can sort of section off the noisy sleepers and the natural building will let everybody else sleep. I think that there is some truth to that. But I also kind of feel like, let's find out. Let's, I mean, there are some people who can really snore. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I think I hear that some people know what I'm talking about. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, holy shit. I didn't know that that was even possible by the human body. Yeah. That is so I much shared sad. a big house yeah. near San Diego mm-hmm. with a bunch of permaculture people. I was there. Mm-hmm. I don't snore. Hmm. Okay. You, you thought it was me snoring? I don't know. Someone was snoring. I don't remember. I just remember using earplugs. Okay. But yeah, I don't, I, uh, my understanding is, now of course I'm not awake for this, but the feedback I've heard from certain people is that I do not snore. Okay. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, my, my greatest offense is that I am a sleep farter. <laughs> it's not at one end, it's up the other, huh? <laughs> That's right. That's right. You might wish I was a snorer. <laughs> I've been around children. Is there anyone who is not a sleep farter? I imagine everybody's a sleep farter, but I, um, and and I frankly I think that my digestive system is so good that um like my I don't have farts that smell like like I've been around somebody who farted and it's like wow that makes the eyes water but I I kind of feel like most of the time maybe once a year I might have something that's smelly but I don't know I think I think I have magical digestion or something Paul, Paul's got those organic farts going on. <laughs> I think so. It's like it's all—all all you're subjected to is the music. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I—I'm—I'm I'm told I don't snore. I do remember one night in that big, wonderful house that mm-hmm. I stayed in a um, kind of a mezzanine-like thing. Yeah. And and it was open to the kitchen and the big area below. And I remember that there was a, a party with a whole bunch of the permaculture bigs being there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I went to bed early. But at 1 o'clock, people were still hooting and hollering and living large. And I remember not being able to sleep. And at 1 o'clock, I finally um, said something. And uh, the party ended suddenly. So I am the party pooper. So, but yeah, because there was no wall there, I I was keeping. No. And I. It was a beautiful house, but not a lot of uh, sound separation. Right, right, right. So, um, let's see. Uh, Is there a. If there's a limit. Is there also a limit to the number of buildings? There's not a limit. And, uh, I, I don't, I'm not thinking that there's a limit to the number of buildings. You know, I mean, pretty much I love the idea that, <clears throat> I mean, like, like when I was giving this tour a week ago and somebody, uh, it's like there's the greenhouse and they show the greenhouse and we're walking away from the greenhouse. And then I start walking up to Allerton Abbey, and they're following me, and they're like, oh, my God, there's a house here. I didn't even see it. I didn't even think of it. So Allerton Abbey was doing the very thing that I kind of wished, and that it's kind of invisible. It looks like a garden. And then if you walk down the right path, suddenly it's like, oh, wow, there's a whole house here. And so that's, you know, 
if if we're if we can embrace this magic i I love this idea of sure have a have a whole bunch of little buildings I think that that's that that's fantastic so um let's see rainwater collection systems uh wasn't there an ant in the past who tried collecting water from their earthen roof? I would think it would be very easy to collect water from an earthen roof because the umbrella for the Wafati is going to extend 20 feet out beyond the building. So there's all the water that lands on the building, and then there's another 20 feet, and it can all kind of get channeled into one space on top of a membrane, and then you can kind of collect it from that membrane. And even more than that, if you build up the organic matter on top of your Wafati, it's possible that you'll have so much organic matter up there that the water that comes out of the membrane might last even when it's not raining. Yeah, you could you could sort of have like a little um waterproof swale as it were underground that that rainwater hits and then it goes around do sort of the French chain without the gravel um and have it direct to a particular spot where if if you have slope that you might be able to collect that rather than having it standing on that membrane longer term. Right, right. Um, is there still a, a local source for recycled billboard material? <sighs> that's that's a tough one. Um, I I think I think that the answer is maybe kind of sort of maybe not. Um, I don't know. It depends. Stuff like that. I mean, it, it's it's kind of gotten complicated. I kind of get the impression that things like this, the, this source, things have dramatically changed. I think that if you ask them, the answer is a hard no. But if you happen to be there at the right time and wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the right person, me. Okay. Does that does that help? Yeah, I mean, so there, there's websites out there now that are selling, you know, recycled billboards. So it's now become, you know, a a sellable resource. So fewer people are going to be giving them away. Yeah. Um, well, I guess you're saying there. Yeah, I like getting it out of the waste stream, and I kind of feel like the materials are extremely benign. So I, I kind of like the idea of using that, that used billboard material. Uh, are there any local organic straw sources selling smaller bales that could be used for the insulation layer? Or are evergreen trimmings the only option? Now, here's an idea. Here's a thought. So, like, um, you want to lay down your duff layer, your insulative duff layer. And uh, one of the possibilities is, is that we're kind of doing some more and more experiments these days with slip straw. And um, are you familiar with slip straw? Yes. Okay. So it's kind of like, what if you went out to the Dances with Pigs Meadow and you filled a pickup truck up with what you just scythed out of there or just grabbed by the handful and pulled or 
whatever, and you just, you know, fill the truck up with that. Or another thing is, is that uh, during the PDJ, um, we needed uh, some slip straw for the thing that Mud was working on, that um, solar food dehydrator with the rocket assist. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to talking about slip straw and what are we going to use for the straw, and it's like, yeah, just it's it's everywhere. We've got tons of all kinds of things. And then I and then it hit me. It's like, oh, you know, it'd be great is if you used napweed because in this region, napweed is so thoroughly hated, just despised. And so. But if you found a use for it, like if you use the nap we'd end the slip straw and it worked, that would be amazing. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, like, cause I, a big part of me kind of feels like I keep putting out, I mean, I think my book is absolutely fucking magnificent and will change the world. If only more people would look at it and, all of this stuff I keep creating, all of this stuff that we have at Permies, it's like, boy, if, if we could connect it to more people, it would really change the world. And so I, I keep creating stuff, and I keep thinking to myself, one of these days, one of these things is going to go viral and bring a billion people in to look at all the other stuff. And it's like, then it all goes viral. Then everything catches and goes crazy and stuff. And that's, that's what we're looking for. All right. So we made this slip straw out of napweed. And I kind of feel like if it works, then of course, I hope we make a video about it. That'll be cool. And, and maybe that'll be the one thing that finally goes viral. You know, some doofus in Montana is making stuff out of napweed. <laughs> you know, then then it's like suddenly everything else finally gets attention. That would be amazing. All right. So now does it does that do, does the napweed have the same say resistance or durability when it's wet like that? And then the other question I'd have is if, because that insulative layer, unless you were to go around and somehow seal the upper and lower layers of um, the waterproof membrane to sort of seal it in, then it's going to be exposed to the soil and would critters or ants or whatever dig in there because it's now it's a nice dry spot. So you'd want to have whatever kind of material you use um, that, it's going to, you know, resist being eaten. So um, I think that your umbrella is going to be under enough thickness. I mean, when you get to the edge of the umbrella where an animal might accidentally discover the dryness stuff, then um, I kind of feel like uh, uh, you're, you're like a good three feet deep. Your umbrella is probably right. going to be a good three feet deep. And I think most animals generally don't, around here at least, don't, don't dig down that deep, but maybe they do. Okay. But, um, I, and I think, I think the thing that is your concern is, is probably valid. Maybe something would try to dig into that stuff. But I also kind of think that when it's that dry, it might, it might become kind of hard. Um, <clears throat> 
But and it's going to be an anaerobic environment too, so there's really not going to be much decomposition. And you're lacking the moisture yeah. and the air. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, is that, like, right now, Allerton Abbey does not have a duff layer. And I'm kind of curious, like, how well does Allerton Abbey succeed or fail? Like, like, is it a grand success and it didn't use a duff layer, in which case the duff layer is just extra? I don't think that's going to be the case. But on the other hand, if you don't have that duff layer on the top, you also, with in theory, get more heat from the structure going up into the growies above and therefore extend the growing season above. And so it's like, all right, how how much of that do we get? How much heat is lost through the roof? I mean, it would be a good time to get a FLIR camera out and, and check the, these things out. Um or even just wander around with one of those point-and-shoot thermometers and get an idea of it. But, okay, you're looking for organic matter to be putting up there, right? And yeah, well, yeah, because one is obviously we, we want to have organic material in there, even though it's not going to be breaking down, you know, fingers crossed, over time uh, when it's in that insulative layer. So one was the question, well, if, if that's not an option, then like say there's, say there's two farms that sell organic straw, um, but they're out or they only have those massive straw bales that are, you know, a thousand pounds or whatever they are. Um, right. and so you just can't get them on site. Can you use a regular straw bale in that case since it's not going to be put on food? And if not, then would the, and the, the, the wood depth thing is probably the way I'd be going anyways because my, my order of construction would be step one, getting the, um, junk pole fence up and in place and cutting down the the larger trees needed to build with. And then you're going to have all the wood duff from all of that accumulated. So that's what I would think I would use. I just thought that, well, straw bale, you're not going to have little twigs and things that can poke. And once you have that plastic on top of the wood duff and now you're putting the soil, it's going to be pressed down hard. And so you could end up puncturing that, that membrane uh, with the wood duff. And so versus flakes from straw bales, you can pull off flakes. They're going to be very uniform. It's already been compressed. So you're going to essentially have that four, six inch gap. But now you're talking about needing 70 or 80 straw bales, you know, and there's an expense with that. But the big thing is, you know, we're talking about wanting to avoid persistent herbicides and most of that straw, if it's not organic, it's almost certainly going to have those herbicides in there. So it's definitely a bad thing, but it's also sealed on both sides with that membrane. So I'm, my, I was leaning to that. You're going to say no, but it's no. like, I better just ask just in case. Yeah. The sort version is, um, there's, I mean, I'm, I imagine that you can just your your brain is already filling up with all the reasons why I would say no. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And it's like, and at the same time, uh, there's there's like tons of alternative materials that are far more local that you could use. Um, you know, and if you wanted to buy something, you can you can buy wood duft. 
Um, and, and that's, you know, there's, there's, this is available for sale, the, you know, wood chips, sawdust, uh, bark shavings, uh, there's, oh, that's there's true. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you didn't like, think about uh, the mulch. <laughs> so there's, there's all kinds of, but it's like, I kind of feel like, uh, we have all kinds of stuff growing and right out of the ground, right at your feet already. And so use, I think it would be wise to use that. Whether it's yeah, you know, feet or grasses or whatever, all the stuff growing there. Now, granted, let's talk about the whole concept of poking the holes through the membrane. And and I kind of feel like, okay, a couple of different things. Um, uh, you've got two membranes, right? Right. And um, and let's just go ahead and embrace that on the on the membrane right next to the house, there are a hundred tiny holes. That have gotten there somehow, and uh, uh, so let's say that those are there. And then on the on the umbrella membrane, let's say there's a thousand tiny holes. So, first of all, uh, the part of the membrane that's directly over the house is um, maybe twenty percent of the total membrane space. So it's like we have fewer holes to worry about. Most of the holes are so small, water probably isn't going to pass through it. And if it does, it'll be just a few drops, just a little bit. And if that water goes down, 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 down in time, maybe years of getting a little bit more, it's going to hit that second membrane and it's going to pass over that. So I kind of feel like for most holes, like 99% of holes that are going to show up, they're going to be pinpricks. They're going to be so tiny that water is not going to, is still not going to pass through the hole. Just isn't. Now it's possible that we could be thinking of this as just simply wishful thinking. And, um, and we've got two Wafatis that have, that are like one of them, only has the lower membrane, and that structure is now six years old. And we have another one that now has two membranes, and that one is seven years old. And I have—I don't believe we've ever had a leak inside the building. And so um, we have found water in the building, but I think somebody spilled something. It wasn't a leak caused by, you know, coming from the roof or anything like that. So I kind of feel like we're doing pretty good as is. But, you know, maybe it's luck. Maybe there's a greater story there. But at the moment, I kind of feel like I think that if there's like a bunch of holes, little tiny pinprick holes, I think we're still going to be okay. And if there's some larger holes somewhere... Um, it's possible that water will start to work its way through the larger hole and you might end up with a more significant problem. But, um, I think that, you know, if there's a larger hole in the top, what are the odds it's going to line up with a larger hole in the lower layer? True. Yeah. And this is not the Olympic Peninsula. So, you know, you're not getting, you know, 10 feet of water a year. Yeah. Rain. Yeah. All right. I think this is a good time to call it good for the day. Um, any anybody have any last second things they want to squeeze into this podcast? 
No? Okay. If you like this sort of thing, come on up to the forums at Fermi's.com. We talk about natural building, homesteading, and permaculture. All the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.